Welcome to week three of Caring for One Another, and I trust that you have already been doing some of that as you came in. Maybe you didn't know you were doing some of that, but as we talk to each other and welcome each other, we are doing some of that. Uh, This class is really important. This class has the potential to be transformative uh, in in very profound ways, but um, as with everything, it's up to us. Um, what we do with it, and so I, I am really thrilled that we're that we're going through this material. Um, but even more so, I pray that the Holy Spirit um, motivates and empowers us to put these things into practice. Uh, I bet you, if we, if we were to do a poll, um, I don't know, how, I don't know how many of us would say yes. We are satisfied with the current level of relationships that we have with God's people, particularly if we were to focus in on our local church. Um, I think many of us experience a hunger for more. What, is it, what does that look like? To, what does that more look like? And how do we get there? And, and that's what this class is really about. And yet, um, it will be up to us to put those things into practice. Uh, let's pray, and then we will get into today's material. Today's going to follow a very similar pattern. Going to go through some material, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, discussing that. So um, let's, let's ask for God's help as we begin. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us. I pray that that you would use this class to be transformative in our hearts and in the life of our church. I pray that today you'd help the material that gets taught to be clear and to be in line with your word. And I pray that the discussion that follows would be really fruitful and very beneficial. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, just give me one second here. Um, is this, uh, Austin, is this microphone in the monitors at all? It, it should not be if it is, but I'll leave that up to you. Um, okay, I wanted to make a note there, and here we go. So we are going to... Uh, oh, just a quick note for those of you who are listening to this later on the podcast or on the website. We didn't get last week's uh, video or, or recording up, uh, so it will be up as of today. So if you feel like you missed a week, if you're listening to the recording, you can go back and pick up where we left off last week. Um, we're going to start with with where the book left off last week. Now, I actually wasn't here at the end of class, so I'm not not sure how much you followed or how, how, how close you got to this. But we're going to start with this one big idea today that it starts in your heart. Everything about us as people starts in our heart. This is a key theme in the book of Proverbs that many of you will remember from the time we've spent in Proverbs in the last couple of years, that, that the book of Proverbs identifies the, the, the core of who we are with our, with our heart. Now, again, not the organ, obviously, not the blood-pumping organ, but the, the, the core of our being and that it is from the heart that our behavior, our words, our actions, our affections, our emotions, our thoughts flow. It all flows from our hearts. Uh, there's that great verse in Proverbs, guard your heart for out of it flows the springs of life or the fountains of life, depending on, depending on what translation you use. Um, some of the clearest uh, teaching on this this factor about about it starts in your heart comes from Jesus when he was talking to the Pharisees he said to them you brood of vipers so again we got to think of that in the story of biblical theology when you hear brood of vipers like a brood is a bunch of little babies 
sons of snakes, and we should hear God saying to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. So Jesus is saying to the Pharisees that, that you're the offspring of, of the devil. And, and uh, actually in John, it says that very clearly. You are of your father, the devil. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out of your mouth, start it in your heart. Uh, Matthew fifteen eighteen to 19. For what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Now, now listen to this. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. This is so important. We're going to take, take a minute here just to really zoom in on this, okay? So think about uh, murder, okay? Someone, let's say, got into a fight, and the other person got their goat, made them really mad, and they, they beat them, and they didn't stop, and they killed them. And they're in jail, or they're in, in, in court, and someone says to them, why did you do that? And they're, gonna, they're, they're probably going to say something like, well, because he said this or that to me and got me really mad, okay? Well, actually, the Bible's answer is no. That was because of you. That murder was in your heart already. And that other guy just gave you an opportunity for it to come out. Uh, adultery, okay? Well, I, I, I had an affair. I was just hearing again about a pastor who did this a couple years ago. And when it came out, he said, well, my wife had an affair first and I was lonely. And so I confided in a friend and it went too far. But really he's blaming his wife. Okay, no, that adultery was already in his heart. And the situation just allowed it to come out. Uh, sexual immorality, same thing, starts in the heart. Theft starts in the heart. Oh, well, I was really hungry and that food was right there and I just had to take it. No, theft, according to Jesus, it starts in your heart. And seeing the really good looking thing just sitting there is simply an opportunity for it to come out. False witness and lies. It's actually the biblical way of thinking about lies is false witness. Um, could go down a rabbit trail there of why David wasn't sinning when he told lies to evil men. The Bible doesn't condemn that. The Bible condemns bearing false witness to hurt your neighbor, like in a court. But the Bible doesn't actually condemn, um, like when Rahab lied to the soldiers to protect the protect the, the Israelites. The Bible doesn't condemn that. Anyways, rabbit trail. Uh, slander starts in your heart. Oh, well, I just had to tell what they did. No, that, that it's, it, it all starts there. So this is a really, really, really important concept in understanding behavior, in understanding ourselves, and in understanding how to help other people. This idea that it starts in the heart. Now there's this diagram in the book, and I, I see I just spent some time, wow, that was loud. Um, I see I just spent some time erasing what I, what I think might be a, a facsimile of this, of this, but I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna use the diagram that Ed Welch uses, which is a great way of thinking about ourselves and our hearts in relation to the world. Because just because it starts in your heart doesn't mean that your heart is the only thing that's going on. Your heart is an active part of the world and the hearts of the other people that we work with are an active part of this world. And, and we want to understand that and that's what, that's what today is about. So we're going to draw these concentric circles. At the center, obviously, is the heart. Uh, and then up here, I didn't leave room, I'm going to write the word living God. So at, at the center, at the heart, this is our heart, our living, worshiping human heart. It's surrounded by the body, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, our body. 
Then the next circle out has to do with influences on the heart. And, and, and the next circle out is influences on the heart that we can see. And so we're going to write things like culture. We're going to write culture. We're going to write people. We're going to write work. And we're going to write money, just as some examples of influences on the heart. And then, and then the last one, we're going to write spiritual beings here. And yeah, we're talking there about angels and demons. And the fact that we live in a spiritually inhabited world. And, and these are a factor. They influence our hearts in ways that we're not always able to see. And then there's the living God. Now what he does in this diagram is he does, a, does this arrow here. And the arrow has points on both ends. Here's the idea. This is, this is really important. This, comes, this, this really helps us form a, a biblical understanding of the heart. The human heart is always interacting with the living God. Okay? That, that, that's the way that we need to see it. We live in God's world. We can't escape from him. Everything we look was made by him. Right. So you just think about it in that way. At, at every moment, we are interacting in some measure with the living God. Now, that interaction might be ignoring him. Okay, so hear, hear what I'm saying. What I'm not saying is that, like, every moment you're having this really close thing. No, like, that interaction with the living God might be hiding from him. But, but we're never not interacting with him in some, in some sense. Because we're God's creatures, we live in God's world. And, and, and yet, in this relationship between our hearts and the living God, which, again, that relationship can include hiding, running from him, so on, we are influenced by these, other, by these other spheres. We've got our body. We've got visible influences. We've got invisible influences. And, and these all uh, shape what's going on in this relationship between our heart. Um, here's here's what, he, what Ed Welch writes. He says, uh, The arrow suggests that our hearts are affected by all the circumstances of life. The arrow comes at us. Think about all these circumstances of life. The arrow comes at us. And interpret all of life. The arrow goes out from us. We are not only being affected by all these things, but we are also interpreting them all. When we see things that are going on, we're interpreting them in our hearts, whether we know it or not, at, at every point. So... Right now, this is happening, right? I'm saying words. You're in a context. And right now, inside each and every one of you, your minds, which are, biblically speaking, a part of your heart, the, the real core inner you, your minds, your hearts, your affections are all, you're interpreting what I'm saying right now and responding to it and deciding whether you're going to accept it or not. Like, every one of you has an active heart right at this very moment and, and at every moment. As Ed Welch says, we are indeed very busy. And... Uh, that is very true. So this gets to our second point here. Our, our, our second big point here is that our hearts are always up to something. The human heart is never neutral. It is never resting. Okay, this is a really important thing to understand about us. The heart is the most important thing about us. It starts in the heart. And that heart is never neutral. We are constantly being affected by the world around us. We are constantly interpreting the world around us. Plus, our hearts themselves are busy cooking up desires and longings. This was a, one of the understandings that John Calvin helped, helped understand and recover is that our hearts are, are desire factories, constantly cooking up desires and, and interacting with the world 
uh, in that way. If you think about the fact that almost everything we do at its, at its root has some sort of desire attached to it, a desire for a relationship or a desire for, for something, a, hopefully, ultimately, a desire for God. As Ed Welch says, we love, fret, plan, rest, avoid, worship, hide, and much more. We're always doing these things, and these things are all activities of the heart. So if you think of, of, of something that happens to someone, from something as simple as being invited over for a meal to something bigger like a new job or a cancer diagnosis, those events are not just happening to them. Okay, So here's where we're talking about caring for other people. When, a, when an event or a circumstance happens to someone, that event has not just happened to them. In the midst of that event, their heart is active, interpreting and responding to that event. You've got an active Worshiping is another aspect of the heart. The heart is always worshiping something. You've got an active worshiping human heart in whatever's going on. This is true for you, and this is true for every person that you want to care for. So if you want to know people and help people, and this is the point of this chapter in, this, in, in caring for one another, you need to get close to where their heart and the world meet. Where does their heart meet with the world, and what are the influences on their heart? And so we're going to look at three big ones here today. The first is people. Our hearts are influenced by people. Our hearts are influenced by people. People can be used to heal. People can be used to harm. But at at the core, relationships are probably the most powerful influences on the heart. Think about, if you think in the last week, uh, when were you grumpy? If you never were grumpy at all in the last week, uh, tell, us, tell us your secrets. But, and my guess is, if you were grumpy more than once, uh, most of the times it was in relationship, or it was in, it was in response to what another person did. Okay. Think similarly in the last week, when were you joyful? And it very likely was in response to what another person did or maybe didn't do. Uh, similarly, with, we could say the same with, with being grumpiness. Uh, relationships are everything when it comes to impacting our hearts. Just think about the Psalms. Uh, a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. How many of those Psalms of lament are David lamenting that he's out of food or out of money or whatever? No, aren't almost all of the Psalms of lament in response to broken relationships? Almost all of them. I, I, I want to say all of them, except I, I haven't gone through and read them all to, to verify that, but it, it, it's, it's about relationship. And when those, so, so just think about that. When relationships are broken, the heart responds. And the heart responds in some form of, of, of grief or lament. And it's going to do something with that. Similarly, we think of how Psalm 133, 1-2 celebrates. How good, behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And, and it goes on to, to celebrate that. One of the things we need to remember is that God is active in these relationships, even the hard ones. We see this in Israel's history. One of the hardest relationships we could see that Israel as a nation was in was slavery in Egypt, and God was active there. We know Jesus has experienced all of the things we've experienced and continues to be our great high priest who understands us. So as we think about getting close to people, when their hearts are being influenced by relationships, we want to be aware that, that, that we're not the only person who's involved here. God is at work. God is drawing close to them. 
God is, is involved. So is Satan. Uh, just like with Job, God, uh, Satan uses relationships with people to make, us, uh, to make us question God. Satan loves to make us think things like, would a good father let his children go through things like that? Uh, so many people today are deconstructing, and that really is just a, a phrase for listening to the devil. As we go through the difficulties of life and these painful relationships, we've got these competing voices. So you think about people who are being impacted by people. You want to help them. You've got to know that, that, that the Lord and his promises are present for them, and Satan and his lies are present for them. And, and we can, that person that you want to help, or you yourself, we can trust God, or we can grow in bitterness. We can rest in love, or we can believe that God has left us. The big idea here, though, is that as we, as we seek to care for one another, we need to be aware of the heart. Now, this can happen in a couple of ways. So, for example, one of the things I've noticed, um, if someone's gone through a tragedy and I'll talk to them, one of the things that they'll typically start by doing is, is by just telling you all about the circumstance. And this happened, and this person said this, and this person said that, and they'll, 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 they'll unload the, the situation very, very, very quickly. And sometimes, if you just keep listening, and you just keep asking questions, and you just be patient enough, sooner or later, their heart is going to start coming through. And their heart might even be coming through just in that. As, as, they, as, as they talk about what happened to them, and this and that, you hear the brokenness, and you hear the grief. And so if you listen, you're not just saying, oh, I, I can't believe they did that to you. But you start, you're, you're, at, you're not listening for the, the circumstance. You're paying attention to, oh, and, and wow, and, and, and that, that must be really hard for your heart, right? That, that, that must have brought you grief or pain or, or whatever. We listen for the heart. Sometimes, now this may not always be, you know, so think of someone who's just suffered a great tragedy. You don't want to be like, how's your heart responding right now, okay? Nevertheless, there, that, I've asked that question sometimes with people, not, and, and, and when, as they're talking about it, I'll say, okay, how are you doing right now in this? How's your heart? So yeah, all this stuff happened to you, and I'm listening to you. I care about you. I'm listening to the, to the, to the ways that these people have hurt you. But how's your heart in this? How are you responding? And those types of questions, if they're necessary, can, can really help us get close to people as we can help them take these burdens and troubles to the Lord and to seek his strength and his love. Right? That's, we don't, we don't, as we seek to care for one another, we're not stepping in to, take, to really take care of them. We want to help usher them to the Lord. So that's the, one of the first big influences um, is on our hearts as other people. Um, there's a second one here that kind of f- flows pretty interconnectedly. Our hearts are influenced by circumstances. So our hearts are influenced by circumstances. Now, many of those circumstances are people and our relationships. But think about circumstances that don't involve people, like your car breaking down on your way to work. Uh, I almost said someone cutting you off in traffic, except that's another person. And that doesn't happen in, well, yeah, it can happen in Nippon. Um, not with the regularity that, uh, that it did on the ring road in, in, in Regina. But, uh, but me- there are circumstances. Like, for example, uh, I had a, a, a bit of time off in between Christmas and New Year's, and our water heater broke the second day, and I had to spend an entire day in my basement fixing my water heater. Okay? That was a circumstance. And was my heart active in those circumstances? You better believe it. At times, stupid water heater, laws of physics, and you know, I think so many of the times what we're complaining about is just the world working the way it's supposed to work. Like 
it's funny, you know, like we hit ourselves with the hammer and we get mad at physics, like, but, but, but also hopefully our hearts responding to the Lord, right? But that, that's the thing is as circumstances happen, like someone, for example, getting a, a diagnosis of a medical diagnosis or a vehicle breaking down or a home burning down or, or whatever, those circumstances, you got to know that in them, their, their heart is active and is responding. Now, what we need to realize about ourselves and other people is that these circumstances, and we kind of touched on this already, they don't actually make the heart, they don't put stuff in the heart. They simply show what was already in the heart. Okay? So, for example, if you think that you're a really patient person, just have some people, you know, get on your nerves really bad, and then you'll find out, oh, I'm not quite as patient as I thought. Those people don't make you be impatient. Those people show the impatience that was already there. Out of the heart, like Jesus said. An illustration that, I've, that I use when we do, we talk about this a lot in premarital counseling. But you think about a cup, your heart is like a cup. And you've got this cup. And when, cir- when the circumstances of life come at you, and this applies to people or just these circumstances that we're talking about now. Like, think even of like not having enough money. That, that's a circumstance. Okay? When those circumstances come at you, it's like they're bumping your cup. And something's going to come out of the cup. What comes out of the cup is what was in the cup already, though, right? So, so the circumstances don't make you cranky. If you're cranky, that crankiness was in your cup. You just needed someone to bump you enough to see it come out. Similarly, some people, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when circumstances come at them, you see joy radiating out. That, that was always there in their hearts, and the circumstance just reveals that. So again, if we think about ourselves... <laughs> When it comes to so many of these things, we can't say, well, I'm upset because this happened. No, that happened, and your heart responded in a certain way. That, that thing that came out of your heart was always there. It was always there. And the circumstance just allowed it to come out. Similarly, as we try and care for people, we need to, to be aware of those same things, because we want to try and care, for, as we care for people, to help them respond in their hearts to these circumstances in a way that, that draws near to the Lord and receives His grace and His mercy. It also helps us understand that, um, that circumstances can... Um, we, we just need to have mercy and understand that circumstances are just painful. And maybe there's some crud way down there at the bottom of their hearts that this circumstance brought to the surface. But are, are we really going to stand in judgment over them for that? Oh, I can't believe you said that. Uh, think of Job saying to his friends, like, are these not words for the wind? Like, when someone's raw and grieving, are we really going to jump down their throat for saying one or two things that aren't quite true? Now, yeah, that was in the heart all the way along. And, and maybe as they heal, we want to help them with that. Um, but we also want to understand how circumstances are really, really, uh, they really affect us. And, and we want to have mercy there. Ed Welch shares this, and I thought this was really interesting because he takes this in a more positive direction than I would have thought. He said, um, knowing people in different circumstances, uh, I'm not quoting him here, but how knowing people in different circumstances can show us aspects that we didn't see before. He said, we may find those people who seemed so stern or distant have been hurt and their kindness is apparent with only a little digging. Or we might find that the fearful may be the spiritual giants among us, and the violated who speak openly are among our most brave. Here's kind of the the big point here. There are endless depths and recesses within any person, 
We have the privilege of sharing and knowing some of these places. Though we can never know each other exhaustively, we can know each other accurately and truly. So, again, summing up this big idea here, circumstances influence our heart. And what comes out is what was always there. But circumstances, nevertheless, are a big influence. There's a third big one here. Our hearts are influenced by our bodies. Now, this is probably as big of an impact on us as people. Our bodies are us, but our bodies also shape us and affect us. Think of poor health, one of the most common prayer requests, right, for healing. The most common greeting in the world, apparently, is how's your health? Uh, And our hearts are, are influenced by our bodies very profoundly. Now, they don't have to be tied to our bodies. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Though our outer man is wasting away, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. And so Paul, think about it though, Paul was aware of his body, and he was aware of his heart. If you want to write that down, 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul was aware that, yes, his body was wasting away, but yes, his heart was being renewed day by day. And we want to bring that same awareness as we care for people that there's a body and there's a heart. And they might be, they might be tied together and going in the same direction, but they don't have to necessarily be. Uh, so this applies to physical challenges. This also applies to physical differences. Our brains profoundly influence us and our personalities. Um, think of the ways that some people are very methodical. Some people are very scatterbrained and haphazard. Some people are big picture. Some people are very detail-oriented. Uh, these, are, these can be things that profoundly impact our hearts and our personalities, and they're very shaped by, by our brains and, and the differences in our brains. And then there's people who have in some, uh, uh, challenges with their brains that may be invisible, something like ADHD, for example, that can, can be invisible to everyone else, but can be a real challenge to someone and can put their heart in a context where their heart is having to choose between things that, uh, that you may not be seeing. We can think of in recent years as showing us uh, brain research, how childhood trauma so not, uh, not being cared for by a parent, for example, being abandoned, things like that. Childhood trauma affects uh, the development of the amygdala in the brain, which can have an impact on how you respond to stressful situations for the rest of your life. And so when we see people responding in certain ways, we need to know, yeah, the heart's at the heart of this, but they may be being impacted by circumstances in their bodies that are invisible but very real. And, and uh, thinking, emotions, brain functioning, it's all connected. And so Ed Welch here has a really great point. He said, here's a general rule. The more you understand a person's physical weakness, the more you will be patient with that person. Here's a general rule. I'll get, it, get the quote right. The more you understand a person's physical weaknesses, the more patient you will be with that person. Now we have to be careful here that... We understand that even the body, even something like ADD or a clinical diagnosis, does not let the heart off the hook. It's still the heart that's active. And, and we need to keep that in focus, but we need to understand that that heart may be being challenged by profoundly challenging circumstances that, that we're maybe not seeing. So we're going to go into discussion time. We've got 15 minutes here, and, and we want to talk through some of these, some of these things 
And, and, and as we do this, we're growing in an awareness and an understanding of how the heart and life intersect. And as we want to care for people, we want to meet them there. And, and so the questions that, that you're going to find on your handout are going to help spur some discussion. You're, you're very welcome to go off script as long as it kind of stays to the, these big ideas here um, in, in, in caring for people by understanding the big influences on their hearts. Okay, so we're going to do what we've done. Uh, I think we probably could do four groups here. Like we could do one, two, three, four. But you guys are grown-ups and you can form your own groups. You don't need me to tell you how to do that. And uh, yeah, roll with it like you have in previous weeks. And uh, trust that this will be a fruitful time of conversation for you. Okay, that's all for now.